The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. <laughs> Certainly appreciate it. Uh, big week in racing as far as uh, what's going to happen down the road with the sport uh, with the Keeneland sale. I had a chance to uh, go down there myself and uh, take in uh, uh, the beauty, the people, uh, the conversation, and the amazing book one of the September sale. I mean, it is an unbelievable who's who. And if you've been following the news, you know that there's been some million-dollar babies uh, going through the ring, and those that aren't uh, (laughs) are bringing a hefty price I'll review that in in just a minute and tell you about uh, some of my experiences down there. All right, speaking of down there, I got a chance to run into my friend Joe Nevels, who covers the breeding section for the Daily Racing Forum. And Joe, as busy as he is, said he'd come on winning ponies with us tonight. So uh, we'll get Joe's views. I mean, that's his uh, full-time job is to uh, watch the breeding industry, comment on it, and uh, we'll see what his views are about the, the effects uh, of, of the Keeneland sale, how things are going. Now, when you look at some of the numbers, you have to understand that in some of the sessions, there were less horses entered than last year. So the, so the numbers uh, are, are skewed a bit. So uh, Joe will be our first guest. Our second guest will be the former host of this show, the man that handed the baton to me, none other than Ed Meyer. Of course, I know Ed uh, pretty well, and I know that uh, he goes to where the action is. And the action this weekend, a lot of the top action, is going to be north of the border at Woodbine. And uh, we are going to literally get to uh, see a, a champion perform in the... the uh, the Woodbine Mile, and uh, that would be none other than the queen of the turf, Teppen, who so far this season is five for five, including a game win from the outside at Ascot in the Queen Anne Stakes. Uh, but some interesting horses with uh, mostly European experience are going to show up to try to uh, uh, take her on. It is a girl going against the boys. But that is something that she has done successfully before. So uh, that would be the Woodbine Mile million dollars up for grabs. It's on the turf, uh, as will be the other race we're going to handicap, the Northern Dancer turf. uh, And there is a very good chance of rain. So I don't know how that's going to affect it. Uh, Hopefully you'll... uh, 
factor that into your handicapping too. Uh, then we're going to go Charlestown has the nice graded stakes race. Uh, the grade three Charlestown Oaks with the uh, horses coming in from all kinds of places. It'll be interesting to see how they match up into that. It's also a seven furlong race, which is always a, a very interesting and challenging distance. And then win and you're in for the baby boys. That's right. Down at Churchill Downs, they have a pair of stakes, uh, the Iroquois for the boys, the Pocahontas is for the girls. Uh, they're both of grade two, but the Iroquois is a win and you're in to the juvenile. And there's definitely some talent there and some horses that had excuses out of their last race. Okay, now. Challenging as these races are, you're going to need all the help you can get. And while Ed and I will do our best, probably the best way is to go to winningponies.com and pull down the easy win forms. We'll uh, take a look in the rearview mirror at some of the big hits we had last week all over the country. We'll go out west at Los Alamitos on September 11th. I had a $1 super that paid $5,047. Go a little bit further west at Golden Gate, a 50-cent pick five paid $3,453. And then some of the mainstay tracks, such as uh, Belmont, a $1 super that paid $2,976. And at Gulfstream, a $1 super five key, $3,197. So, uh you know, t- take our advice, listen to what we have to say, but then pull down the easy win forms because they're the ones that are coming up uh, with the, uh, the the big hits. Okay, now uh, back to uh, Lexington, Kentucky. I, I'm always telling you things to put on your bucket list, and of course, the Keeneland sale is one. It is just so beautiful, and we had beautiful weather this week. Uh, you've got uh, the 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 beautiful girls walking the beautiful horses uh there's just a flurry of activity everywhere you look you think that that horse looks better than this one this horse looks better than that one they all look fantastic and they do an outstanding job in kentucky of getting these horses ready of course uh, we have had frank taylor on for three chimneys farm and so far they have been the leading consigner they're the ones that get the yearlings ready that handle them every day it's unbelievable the demeanor of these young horses uh, once they get in the, close to the walking ring and they can all see each other very, very closely, there's a lot of whinnying going on. But for the most part, back by the barns, it's very pastoral. And it is just amazing how well the handlers get along with the horses and, and how well the horses handle the stress. Because some of these horses could be in and out of their stalls a hundred times in two days for prospective buyers. Uh, the buyers, of course, uh, were from uh, just about every nation. I heard many languages. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, but then also I did turn a corner and run into Bob Baffert, turn a corner, D. Wayne Lucas, turn a corner, Todd Pletcher. They were all there, but it's kind of uh, as exciting as it is. It's kind of relaxed. Uh, they're dressed relaxed. They're they're in shorts and and, and they're Nikes, and uh, so it, it's just a, a fantastic place to be. But those horses, I don't know how you separate them. It's hard to separate them on paper. It's hard to separate them by looks. But obviously, 
names I just threw out at you know how to do it because they always seem to come away with the best horses. So uh, the book one is done right now. They took today off, and there were four sessions. Uh, and it's going to run through uh, September 25th. Uh, that is a, uh, a Sunday. So, uh, you know, just in, in this year, Keeneland September sale graduates have won 38 grade or group one stakes, and they accounted for all three triple crown classics. So uh, they've also had many group stakes in uh, Europe, Dubai, Japan, even well, the horse that won the Russian Derby came out of this sale. So uh, through, through the first three days, uh, I didn't get all the tallies uh, yet, uh, there were 346 yearlings sold for $120 million. Again, that number down because they didn't sell as many horses, but the average 347,000 was up 14.5% from last year. So the median price, 300000 So everybody was uh, very happy there. Of course, the big battle on the war front was Warfront and Tappet. Um, there were eight yearlings that commanded a million or more in book one. Six of those eight yearlings by, were by Tappet or Warfront. Of course, big news Right now, the highest-priced yearling sold at auction this year was a $3 million colt by Scat Daddy, a half-brother to multiple champion Beholder and grade one winner and sire into mischief. So uh, $3 million, the highest-priced horse, and you can walk right up and ask to see him. They'll go get him out of his stall and show him to you prior to the race. But uh, Joe Nevels did a good job of guessing uh, which ones uh, would bring the top prices. Uh, now, Mandy Pope did do very well. She brought home a couple horses for a million dollars. As you know, that uh, she went to, I believe, uh, $10 million for Arve de Grasse, if I'm saying that right. And uh, Son of Warfront was offered out of her. So you've got, you know, horse of the year, hot sire. Well, the horse didn't meet its reserve RNA at 1.9 million. And Mandy was befuddled and sad to say, uh, Wayne Sweezy, who she trusts implicitly, put the wrong number down. It was not 1.9 1.9 million. It was going to be 1.19 million. So they thought the, they had the horse sold as the price just kept going up, going up, and it stopped right at their reserve. So the horse went back. I guess uh, they're going to try to be taken in partners. So any of you that want a horse out of a champion by Warfront, give Mandy a call. Well, right now, uh, atop the world's best rankings, none other than California Chrome. These are the world rankings, and often when you see them, they're dominated by European horses. Number one is California Chrome. Number two is Arrogate, very interesting that he popped up after his Travers win. Uh, Frosted is in the top 10, as is Nyquist. So a lot of North American horses uh, getting uh, their uh, due uh, just votes worldwide. Well, while we're uh, coming up on the end of the first segment, want to look at some of the races that uh, we Handicapped last week, want to thank Gary West, such a class guy. It all came to a conclusion today. Well, what a day it was on Saturday. The $400,000 more than ready mile went 
two, the horse that we liked. Watch your own bobber. This horse, great angle, that the key race exit, three out of three next out winners from its last race. And what a week that uh, trainer Mike Maker had. So watch your own bobber gets the job done in the more than ready mile. Then we went on to the Kentucky Turf Cup, sponsored by Calumet Farm. And the winner in there, <laughs> what a story. The big hoss, the former claimer, does it again. Now, this race last year was his first graded win after he was claimed for 50000 Yep, claimed for 50000 and now he has career earnings of over $1.2 million. The big hoss was rated very well by Florent Giroux. It got scary there for a while, but he did get the job done over Ballard's Alley, an 18-to-1 shot, coming out of a key race, three of three out of that next race, same as watch your own bobber, uh, and 18-to-1 is what you got on that. So that's something you want to keep an eye on for your handicapping. And then uh, we went to the uh, Kentucky Downs Ladies Sprint, $350,000. And Gary and I, Gary said, you know, Mississippi Delta is the one to beat. And I agreed with him. But I said, you know, if you like Mississippi Delta, you got to like Rapid Rhythm because Rapid Rhythm only finished a length behind in the Royal North, the grade three race. So uh, if you hooked them up together, you had the favorite Mississippi Delta with 10 to 1 Rapid Rhythm and a $2 exacto will bring you home $19.80. Well, in Chicago, uh, two races that had a lot of history. Uh, one of them uh, lost its grading, the Arlington, Washington, Lassie. But a lot of good two-year-olds have come out of these races. Um, and in the Lassie, which is obviously for the ladies, it was Diadura, who was ninth early, drew off by five and a half with Carlos Marquez in the saddle, a son of hard spun, trained by Michael Stidham. So remember that name, Diadura. And then with the boys, it was another impressive win. This was well-labeled. The first stakes winner by Sire Shackleford uh, drew off by seven and three-quarter lengths with Eddie Baird in the saddle. I always love watching his father ride, E.T. Baird. Well, that's a look at uh, some of the major races that we handicapped last week. Again, we're going to have Ed Meyer uh, coming up and, uh, and helping us handicap the races from Woodbine, Charlestown, and Churchill Downs. So uh, keep an ear out right now. Again, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to come back and look at that classy book full of what we call Call Black Type in the 2016 Keeneland September Yearling Sale with our breeding expert from the Daily Racing Forum, none other than Joe Nevels. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com The home of the easy win form The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses At most American and Canadian tracks Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races Don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. You know, they say that the definition of success is when hard work meets opportunity. And that's exactly why the gentleman we're going to talk to here uh, is a success. And his name is uh, Joe Nevels. I got to know Joe when he was a little bit wet behind the ears uh, coming out of Michigan and was uh, interning, I'm going to say with the Blood Horse, could be with the Thoroughbred Times, he'll correct me here in a minute, but uh, it's just great to see somebody that really cared about the sport and, and had a love of the game and, and the, the ability to write about it, uh, get to where he is today, and that is the breeding columnist for a national uh, paper, Bible, some call it, the Daily Racing Forum. Joe Nevels, welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure to be here, and uh, for the record, it was the Thoroughbred Times. Uh, Blood Horse is actually one of the few publications I haven't worked for. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, they're all the they're the the, the biggest that were out there. At least the, the Times was at the time. It's a shame, but you know what's great about that is that uh, I remember us meeting at old friends that we were having a, a day for the thoroughbred times and uh, seeing all the people that I knew were no longer going to be there. And I'm going to say just about everyone that I knew personally ended up landing on their feet, which says a lot for the quality of the staff at the thoroughbred times at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's funny that we're talking right now because I believe it was uh in this day in 2012 that we all received the letter telling us that Thoroughbred Times had gone bankrupt and there was no Thoroughbred Times anymore. So, a bit of a somber anniversary, but like you said, most if not all of us have, you know, landed on our feet and gone to greener pastures. Well, uh, Joe, again, uh, if you would recap for us, uh, what got you in the game in the first place? Well, uh, my grandpa owned and bred racehorses in Michigan for well, before I came along, uh, raced at Detroit Racecourse, uh, Great Lakes Downs, Mount Pleasant Meadows, and he just took me under his wing and taught me the game, taught me how to read the program, um, just really nurtured my love for the sport and gave me an outlet to really follow it with interest. And beyond that, I figured that writing was the best way to get into the business and gave me less chances of getting kicked. <laughs> Well, as far as uh, uh, segueing your talents in into the breeding side of things, how did that come about? Uh, well, that was actually 
something that was more thrust upon me than anything. I mean, I've always been into the breeding side of things. Uh, my family owns and breeds draft horses. Um, a lot of my friends back home own stallions, own a lot of brood mares. You know, I've been tied in the breeding industry, but, you know, I always wanted to write about the races themselves. But at Thoroughbred Times, uh, there just happened to be a, when I went out as a staff writer, they needed a person to cover sales, and that task was sort of put onto my desk. So I became the sale guy, and I was there for 13 months. So I wasn't sale guy there for long, but that established me kind of in that realm. And then once uh, DRF breeding came along, that was kind of our, uh, you know, area of interest, area of specialty, and it's kind of snowballed along from there. Uh, you know, Thoroughbred Times was always a very quality breeding centric publication and we took a lot of those sort of morals and ethos to DRF. Well, uh, I will say I get my my DRF informer that tells us uh, different things about what's coming up on the racing form this week. A lot of the special races they they put in the front and different events that are that are going to be going on. And uh, I just saw today that the breeding section is up like seventy percent. So pat yourself on the back, my friend. Well. I'll do that. You probably can't hear it over the line right now, but that is happening right now. Thank you very much for that information. <laughs> you'll, you'll, ha- you'll have to go on and, and, and check it out. Well, um, you, you put out your list of horses to watch, and uh, you're probably getting a little bit of a breather today, though not much of one, because now you got to go right back probably uh, to kind of give, uh, you know, let's just say horses to watch for the next book. Uh, you, I copied them down, and I see that you did very well, but what's it like? When, well, first of all, you hit a home run with uh, the Scat Daddy uh, uh, half to beholder. You you had a star mm-hmm. by that one. Uh, one that kind of surprised me was, was hip number four ninety seven, who was a uh, half to mine that bird that RNA at only only I say one hundred and eighty five thousand. Do horses like that leave you scratching your head? Because Joe, as you know. Oh, these horses uh, with the you know Frankie brothers and the whole team that goes out and looks at them, they're all vetted very, very well. So just because you've got a great family doesn't mean you're going to get into book one. Does something like that leave you scratching your head? Absolutely. And I pulled that horse personally before the sale started. I was absolutely bonkers for him. I thought I loved his physical. Uh, you know, you obviously got to love the family. I have to... Kentucky Derby winner, mind that bird, multiple grade one winner, Doolahan. The family usually brings really good money. Last year, I think a full sister brought something like 750000 or so. So, you know, the vet reports are the thing that I don't really have the time or resources to pull. So you have to wonder if that there was something that perhaps he didn't scope well or perhaps his x-rays weren't what you'd like to see. Uh, buyers are getting a lot more scrutinizing about what they see on x-ray reports, what they, the reports they get from their vets. So perhaps there was something there that people just didn't care for and they backed off. Now, as far as your coverage of, I guess you'd have to call this the Super Bowl of sales and I'm not knocking any other sales company, uh, whether it be at Saratoga or across town, uh, but let's face it, results are results. Every year we see that this is the sale that produces the most uh, graded and group stakes winners. Now, for you, is it kind of like a, a pro football team? You first you got it like like the week before you've got to 
scout them out. You've got to go to the stables, uh, talk to people, look at them. And then actually when they start going in the ring, is that draft day where you sit there and see it, you know, who you got right or you know, what, what prices the horses are bringing that, uh, you know, if there's trends or anything like that. Uh, how, how does your week lead up to the sale? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you call it the Super Bowl of sales, and it's almost more of a culture draw to the NFL draft of sales because you do so much going over each horse, like each draft prospect with a fine-tooth comb and decide where this person or where this horse belongs, you know, on your big board, and then they go out there and things fall where they are, the prices go where they are, players drafted where they go, and a horse is bought at the price that they go at, um, I start out, first off, going over the catalog itself, looking at uh, pages and pedigrees that I think are going to be of particular interest to me that seem like they'll be a proven top-level auction horse. I mark them down. I get my run list ready to go. and So when the horses hit the ground, I am there, and then I go out and pull the horses. I look at them over. I look at their walk to see how they handle themselves physically. I look at... Um, their poise, how they're handling their surroundings, that they seem to have a good head on their shoulders, um, look at muscle build, look at to see if the sire has stamped the foal or if they're getting stuff from the dam side. I love looking at physicals of horses to figure out, you know, what parts are being put into this horse and how they're being carried along. And then I go talk to the consigner and get what their thoughts are. Sometimes I absolutely whiff on a horse. I love a horse and they talk to me, oh, yeah, people are kind of cool on that one. He's got a you know, he's a little offset or he's got, you know, this or that wrong with him. Or sometimes they'll tell me, you know what, this is a superstar. This is an absolute, I'm really excited about having this horse here. And then I take all of that. I put it into a scouting report. I get a walk video. I take a photo of the horse and give my impressions, the uh, consigner impressions, and put that out there. And then the horse goes through the thing and we see what happens. All right. I know we've only got a couple of minutes left. I could talk to you all day. But here's something... <laughs> Uh, that I, I, it goes through my mind. You know, I, I'm from the old days when basically stallions covered 40 mares. So you knew, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, what the limit was. And in my opinion, that was good for the breed. Now, with this war that we have going on, let's say, uh, because uh, people are so much want to have a tappet or a war front, Certainly, you or I can't afford one. But with horses covering, you know, let's say 140 mares in some cases, I believe that that was a number that was out there for American Pharaoh. What are we doing to the breed? Because eventually, a generation or two from now, we're just going to have, you know, lightly raced, unraced, or whatever, you know, mares and horses at stud that are from all of these familiar bloodlines. Are we watering down the breed? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you, know, you talk about, I don't want to knock on Tappet too much because he's obviously doing fantastic work. And I always wonder at the auctions if buyers are eventually going to settle into Tappet fatigue just because there's so many of them that they would have to find ways to separate themselves out. And maybe people are getting a little tired of looking at a good Tappet when there's a great Tappet over here and he ends up having five of the top ten prices for the book one. So there's just that demand there and it seems like there's always that demand. In terms of Diluting the breed, you know, I don't really know. You know, you look at past generations, you look at Stormcat and all of the sons of his that went to stud, and some of them didn't do a whole lot. But, you know, it seems like there's still going to be 
others out there that are going to be available for the outcross. You know, as long as live cover is still a thing in thoroughbred breeding, as long as, you know, we don't go into artificial insemination like the quarter horses and Arabians do where one stallion can absolutely dominate and can, you know, spread his seed throughout the gene pool without having to leave his barn. I don't think we'll be in too big of trouble in terms of dilution of the gene pool, but it is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it will be interesting because when you start, when you get the end of the year results and you see number of mares covered, I mean, it's just eye-popping. And some of the stallions aren't ones that we've even talked about yet. Mm-hmm. But like you said, hopefully that they're from, you know, a mix of the, I'll just say, bold ruler line, northern dancer line that uh, that that we do have, like you said, an outcross, and we'll have to go into that for another night. But basically, it's mm-hmm. it's trying to get away from inbreeding uh, too much. You don't want these horses, uh, you know, sitting on a porch playing a banjo someday. Uh, so you you got to move back a few generations before you uh, repeat it, and uh, so that's uh you know. Uh, just the, the the thing I worry about with, you know, the same horses being bred. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. That's, like I said, it'll be interesting to see how people play about that in the coming few generations. But, you know, people are always looking for the outcross. You see a lot of people bringing in international stallions to give them a try in the U.S. And, you know, a horse like Tiz now goes back to several outcrosses, and he's got a lot of sons entering stud now. So I think there's going to be opportunities. It's just going to be a matter of people being brave enough to take that chance to try the outcross instead of going back to the proven thing. Well, um, now, uh, as far as the, 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 the different uh, books are concerned, how, how do you see, do you see the rhythm of the sale change? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that really surprised me was for the entirety of the sale, I wasn't sure how things were going to play out, but everybody that I talked to said, book one will be fine, book two will probably be fine, book three will probably be fine, but once we get into book four, five, and six, things are going to get a little dodgy just because the market for horses at that level has really dropped off, especially in the past year or so. So it'll be interesting to see how, um, you know, if the buyers show up for that, because that's a big area for pin hookers, the people that buy a yearling to resell the two-year-old sale, and they really struggled this year, especially at the mid to lower level. So they don't have as much money to put back into the yearling market in the levels where they typically play. So it's going to be harder to, I suppose, find the prices that a lot of people will need to see. Um, I guess a lot of sellers are going to have to learn to adjust their reserves accordingly to get the horses moved or be prepared to take them home. Um, what, one last question. Uh, we, uh, we, we see the word reserve not attained, um, and then I see on the Keeneland thing, submit a bid. Do, does Keeneland then put a potential buy, you know, a guy say, you know, if I could get this horse for 10000 less or whatever what the reserve was, uh, I think I would have bought it. Do, does Keelan put the potential seller in touch with the consigner? Uh, you know, I've actually never talked to anybody that's actually used that. I'm sure people have before. I've just never poked into it myself. It just seems like a lot of the time, you know, everybody knows everybody in that realm. So if they want to get a horse bought that doesn't get the job done in the ring, they talk to the consigner, they talk to the breeder, and they get the deal done through that. But it's, it's good that Keeneland has that 
outlet if people need to get in touch with someone that perhaps they don't have contact with to potentially get a horse sold. All right. Well, listen, Joe, I could talk to you all night, but I, you, you need a breather. You need to put your uh, feet up on a lazy boy and watch the, the UC <laughs> game or something and uh, get your breath. Hopefully, I'll be down there next week and get a chance to see you in person. Joe Nevels, you're doing a great job. Thanks for being with us on Winning Ponies. Thanks a bunch. Always a pleasure to be here, John. All right. That was Joe Nevels. Up next, the man I admire in racing. That's right. Admire. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with the man that used to sit in this seat the one, the only, Ed Meyer. He's an, a track announcer. He's an odds maker. He's a handicapper. He's an all-over good guy. Steady Eddie, how you doing? Good evening, John. How be it? It's good. It's going. Uh, just uh, got a chance to talk to Joe Nevels. I know you know Joe. And uh, I got down to, to Keeneland. I know you and I went down there one year and uh, when you were accused of being a cribber, I believe. And uh, I'm, look- I'm looking at the picture as we speak. $1.234 <laughs> million dollar cribber sold. <laughs> Not bad at all. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, but it, it was great. It was beautiful down there, and it's just so fun because, you know, once we start working at the racetrack, you're pretty much cloistered, and when on your days off, you just want a day off, but it was so good to see a lot of the people uh, in the business that we've worked with and got to like over the years. Uh, trotting around the grounds there and uh, a lot of the people that have moved on in, in into racing and people that have been on the show as a matter of fact so and uh, like I said I turned the corner there was Pletcher there was Baffert there was Owen Hardy you know it's just and, and these guys they're so you know like 
you know, Todd Pletcher in shorts and sneakers. You just don't expect to see that. You know what I mean? You know, he could he could be in uh, Bermuda shorts and flip flops. He's still gonna and he can still get up in the morning and and uh, he, he puts them on one leg at a time. You know, I, I get a kick. I now I've seen the sales the first time with you, and if you've never been, put that on your bucket list. It's it's uh, if, especially for people watching, and you you see some of the who's who in the business. But then you know you alluded to you know you 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 would run into Joe Nevels. Now, definitely one of the good guys in racing. You said that you, you'd known him since he's been an intern. Actually, I was just talking to you off break. I said, I believe he was at Belterra, and he was just catching a day at the races. And I, and I could see down below that he was just watching him up close and just taking a look as the horse flesh come walking by. You know, he's a man of racing. You know, at, at, no matter what level, he enjoys yeah, and another uh, uh, friend that we have, of course, uh, very similar, is somebody like Tom Lamar. I mean, he's the newsletter of the blood horse, but I don't know if he's ever had a tie on. And uh, he loves going to the little tracks. I'll never forget, he told me we were talking, uh, it was two years ago, and he's like, oh, crap, i got to cover the Kentucky Derby. I said, what? What do you mean? He, you gotta, he goes, yeah, he says, it's the last day of racing at Beulah Park, and I really wanted to be there. <laughs> <laughs> True well, that, story. You know, that's that just the kind of guy like him and Joe Nevels are, you know? <laughs> you know, there, we, we, we really gravitate towards that because that's where we would be. And, you know, you, I, there, there's, there's a group of, you know, just local horse players that we know that run in a circle. That, you know, Tom is one of the good guys, especially, you know, whether it be Harness, the Van Word Fair. You're allowed to catch him a little bit of anywhere, or, or you know, it could be a marquee event. But, but I'll tell you what, I would bet dollars to donuts. There hasn't been a tie on Tom since he's been married. <laughs> I believe so, because I've been at, at several uh, highfalutin <laughs> events down in Lexington, and he didn't have any ties on. So maybe, maybe I'll buy him one for Christmas so he can say he owns one. Well, listen, I know uh, you've uh, sad day for you today, the last day of racing at Kentucky Downs. But what a show Mike Maker and Florent Giroux put on, huh? Oh, Florent Giroux, taking his game to the upper stratosphere. And, you know, I have to say that uh, he's, his agent, I believe, will probably be buying a new house, maybe an Ascot or, uh, you know, somewhere where the, the hoity-toity folk are at. They have done an incredible job. Watching him just take this uh, meteoric uh, ride, John, has just been a true pleasure. I mean, once he hits the green, no matter what state, country, uh, festival, fair, wherever he's at, this guy rides on an A-plus level. I'm, I'm excited just to watch any time he's in the program. Well, what about what about the Calumet Farm Kentucky Turf Club with the big hoss? I was worried he wasn't going to get there, but obviously I didn't feel that horse underneath me, and Jero got the job done but it was a bit of a nail biter last week oh it, it was it, it really was and you know i went back and watched the replay just a few times and you know and, and i still want to i i heard more people talk about that race to make hoss to make hoss to make hoss and i and i went back and i watched it and i you know i didn't really just study i just wanted to enjoy it it was like uh, it was like that good morning uh, uh, ice cold piece of pizza off of having a couple brews the night before it was just to kind of refresh my memory and you know what it, it gets better every time that i watch it i i think florent is actually just starting to really get on his way uh what's he what's he winning around 20 percent on the year i think the numbers are just going to go up from here john i think florent's going to be uh as we've watched over the years like a ramon dominguez the ortiz brothers uh, castellano i think he's right there and uh, he's in that rarefied air 
Yeah, it really is. And he's in demand. I mean, you pick up the form, you don't know what track he's going to be at. I, I personally thought that we'd uh, we'd see him in these woodbine races we're going to look at, especially since they're on the grass. And I, I did mention to our audience, too, that uh, there's a good chance of rain, we're predicting, up there at woodbine. So that could change things. But I'll tell you what, it's not going to change my opinion in the Rico Woodbine Mile, the queen of the turf, Teppen. What a super horse she's turned into. She's going to be going for her sixth win in, in a row. And once again, not afraid to take on the boys. She did that over at Ascot. Broke from the 13 hole. Got up by a half a length with Julian Le Parot, regular rider in the saddle for Mark Cassie. Can they beat Teppen in the Woodbine, maybe they need one of those, uh, you know, uh, holocaust storms like they had in Cincinnati last week in order to get it done. I'll tell you what, I, I would I would like to say, well, yeah, let's take a shot, but there's no way. Uh, the only one that could be Teppin is Teppin. I, I got up uh, at the early morning, uh, early time, about 10 a.m. on my time, John, to watch the Queen Anne Stakes at Ascot. Impressive. A half length, and, and I think could have been much, much more uh, Tepid, what, shooting for, what, eight in a row here? Uh, going all the way back to October 3rd at Keeneland in the, uh, the First Lady. I think Tepin is that special kind of mare that just, that just makes us just lose, lose a breath and skip a beat whenever she takes to the track. I think Tepin's going to really, it, it's really going to take something astronomical or say she doesn't like the track or, you know, it, it's, it's a compact field, I'm going to say, of eight, which, uh, you know, Woodbine's course is wide and, and accommodating. I see Tepin just, just having a field day. You know, I'm just, I got my fingers crossed that it's just really just not a quagmire, but I think Tepin could run short on uh, blacktop and broken glass. And, uh, you know, alluding to uh, the Queen Anne at Ascot, that was back on June 14th. Uh, She's done nothing but tear up the track at Saratoga ever since. But that was contested on a very soft track. So conditions uh, may even play in her favor up at Woodbine. You know, you, you touch on a really good point. I believe uh, our, our friends up north may, may say, uh, you know, they, they like a little cut to the ground. I think she's going to get her wishes. And, and in fact, uh, you know, as soon as you said that, I, I was looking at that, and I, and, I, and I went all the way back to Keeneland uh, on the Halloween and the Breeders' Cup mile. It was good, and we know that, uh, and that was against the boys. And prior to that, it was one race uh, before the first lady, both a soft and a good. I, John, I really don't think that it's going to affect her one bit. It's just now, who do you choose for second and third? Well, the, the only the two horses that, that um, you know, impressed me was Full Mast, who's done a, a sensational job since uh, uh, coming over to the U.S. Uh, it was a uh, graded stakes winner over in France in the barn of a guy by the name of Bill Mott, who I think has a plaque in the Hall of Fame. Horse comes over, first race, optional claimer, gets a 102 buyer. Then it got in big trouble in the grade two King Edward at Woodbine, only was beaten two lengths, and then comes back in the lure at Saratoga, a mile and a 16th, and just misses by a head. This, this horse could be sitting on go in the second tier. And then the, the big question mark, too, is the, the horses coming in uh, from England in Mukta KF and Arad, if I'm saying either one of those right. Well, I, th- I think you really are, and, and I think your, your, your second choice underneath Teppin, that is, with being full mass, is actually my, my top choice to be in for second honors. And I, and I also toss in a, a rod at, at 10 to 1. Uh, Peter Chapel Hyam, uh, they're going to get first time Lasix here. 
was awfully impressive in 2015, five for seven in the money, two for four this year in the money. John, you know, when you're running at this level, I mean, you've heard about bringing the A game. I think this is... This is going to be one of those rare times where they're just going to have to bring that double A plus game, and you know, second honors to to America such as Teppan, I, I think, is an honor in itself. Well, again, that race slated to go at six thirty nine Eastern time. So I hope our listeners will be able to find some time in their day to take a look at it because she has really turned into a very, very special kind of mare. It's neat to see that she's five years old and still racing, and it'll be interesting to see where she goes uh, in the in the Breeders' Cup. She's won over three and a half million dollars. Well, uh, let's see. I don't know if we got enough time to get this race in or not uh we'll see if um, matt cuts me a break here <laughs> um mile and a half on the turf the northern dancer turf uh uh i i've got you know i like like somebody i know i use a lot of different colored pens and i got colors going <laughs> all over this thing um uh, kind of the one that might have the, the most color on it is uh is world approval you know i i love the the pizza man but I think he might be getting a little long in the tooth. The same as Big Blue Kitten, and he doesn't have Shining Copper in there to set it up for him anymore. So as much as I always like Big Blue Kitten and the Pizza Man, the days of their headlines may be over. Correct me if you think I'm wrong. You know, I, I'm not about to correct you. I, I, I think that you may be touching on something. But Big Blue Kitten caught my eye on one fact. Never in her career have you seen a five-point buyer jump other when, now I'm going to go back to 14 where she had a, a prolonged layoff, had a five-point buyer jump and, uh, jump and came back and won handsomely. John, the two grade one efforts here is a beaten favorite and run, I'm going to say just an average sixth place in the Manhattan both of which just kind of threw up a, a flag in my head. It's like, what is going on here? I know that Big Blue Kitten is worthy of more. But then we're also talking about the cut in the ground. The Breeders' Cup cut, turf uh, made, made the uh, yeoman's work out of that. Second in the Arlington Million versus the Pizza Man, and that day was a yielding course. John, I think, I think the softer the course, the better that Big Blue Kitten is going to like it. And you correct me if I'm wrong. Some of the older runners... They enjoy a little bit of that, a uh, little bit of that give to the uh, give to the greens word because uh, you know they're just not what they once were. Well, yeah, no, you make a good point, and I certainly uh, w- won't correct you, but I just think that if you look at the running style of the horses in here, I think World Approval could control the pace and has one on a good turf. Um, you know. Uh, it's a, pretty much a, a turf specialist in its career. It's had six, 16 starts, 14 of them on the turf for pretty much all of the horse's earnings on the grass. So um, with uh, Le Peru up, uh, uh, replacing the other Frenchman, uh, Florent Giroux, um, I just I, I like world approval because all these other horses, uh, you know, like to come from out of it. And if Le Peru maybe pushes the button a little bit early, I just wonder if he can get away from him. You know, I think that uh, Julian Le Peru is, is a, just an incredible rider and another flying Frenchman indeed. And he should be happy that uh, Florent is elsewhere on this day because I see two big, sizable purses coming his way. I'm, I'm looking, I was looking to try to, you know, to find that middle range price. I don't think it's going to be a 99 to 1 shot here. But Big Blue Kitten kind of caught my eye just on running style alone, liking a little bit of the off going. And actually, you were the first one that caught me today and said, hey, I believe we're going to have some heavy rains coming up, uh, you know, north of the border here. So you may uh, handicap accordingly. 
And, you know, I looked at it, and you're right, John. I mean, there's a heavy percentage of rain, thunderstorms, and it's going to be in the 70s. Rain is going to be perfect. I, I, keep, I keep coming back to that one fact of just plenty of cut and bounce. I think Big Blue Kitten is really going to throw in a real surpriser. Well, I like it, and we'll probably get a, a price. You're going to bet them? You got to box them. You got to box those two them. horses. You, caught, you talked me into it. All right, let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll try to squeeze in Charlestown and Churchill Downs. We're talking with Ed Meyer. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And Ed Meyer. And uh, we're going to see if we can't even squeeze three races into this segment because two of them are uh, two-year-old races at Churchill Downs. Ed tells me both of them are winning your in, and that would be the Iroquois and the Pocahontas. Of course, Churchill Downs is just opening up. For, they're going to do a little 11-day run before the gates open up at Keeneland at Charlestown. Challenging distance, seven furlongs, and uh, 350000 on the line. It is a, a grade three. Steady Eddie, I'll show my hand right here, right now, and that is uh, speed is what you need. I think that uh, Sophia's song is going to kind of like this. Uh, she looks like she could be the controlling speed in here. I'm just not sure how much uh, Covey Trace, uh, trained by Bill Denzig, uh, is going to put a hurt on her on the front end. I don't think anybody's going to put a hurting on her because she has the services of of JJ uh, uh, Castellano. John, this is second off a layoff, and if in fact there is going to be some rain heading in the uh, Charleston area, which I believe there is, I was taking a look at the forecast. A four sixteen Tomlinson wet number catcher, if you can, uh, Mr. Dentic. Uh, you know all. All kudos to uh, to all of the hard work you've done. This nice filly by Stevie Wonderboy, but I think this is a whole different range animal here. I don't think they've even begun to scratch the surface. I think Sophia's song is going to be tough. 
And my second choice in there is Mia Torrey at 10 to 1, going to go from the all-weather at Arlington and come up there and relish the off-going with J.D. Acosta, who actually does very well at Charlestown. And uh, failed to mention the uh, connect, other connection to Sophia's song, and that would be trainer Todd Pletcher. And if you look at this horse's buyers, very interesting. Every single race, Ed, uh, this daughter of Bellamy Road, former winner of the Cradle Stakes, has gotten faster and faster and faster. Uh, did get caught last time at six and a half, but uh, certainly uh, has already won twice at a mile, so distance isn't the question for sure. So let's put Sophia Song on top, and I like your Mia Tori, and might just throw Covey Trace in there. I like Brian Hernandez, and Bill Denzig used to train for me. So like move on. Like Doves. <laughs> we'll move on down the road, down the road to Churchill Downs where the uh, action's picking up in Louisville. I believe, uh, let's see, uh, is it uh, one of the two days they're moving their post time back to 2.30 so they can get the uh, Louisville game in? That would be Saturday, wouldn't it? In fact, it is. Uh Louisville is uh, they, they have a they have a little football game in town and uh, you know I, I think that uh, you know old, old good nature in Churchill Downs is more than willing to play ball and uh, I, I think it's I think it's going to be a, a huge crowd I, I think parking is going to be a maximum down there uh, so uh, good, good luck finding a good spot for sure. No, but as you know, Papa John's Stadium where they play the game is a short walk mm-hmm. to Churchill Downs. I, I'd say yes. no more three quarters of a mile. Well, heck, I'm going to have to take a jetpack or something to get there from there, John. That or a short bus. Uh, you know, somebody, or maybe you'll pick me up on the way over. What do you think? Uh, I'll, I'll already be at Churchill watching the game on TV. <laughs> so, anyhow, let's take a look at look at the Iroquois uh, race that that has a, a lot of history to it. Um, it, it, interesting field in here. Uh, a couple of them coming out of the Ellis Park Juvenile. They that was a very co- competitive uh, meet down there. And uh, the horse that I find very interesting and could potentially be one of the reasons Jero is uh, in Louisville is this thirst for life. A stay thirsty horse trained by Mark Cassie. This horse has already started and won at. Churchill Downs tried to break its maiden in the Kentucky Juvenile Breeders' Cup. Uh, it ended up running third after dwelting at the start. Since then, came back, won at five furlongs. Then they liked this horse so much, they went all the way out to try the grade two best pal. Uh, ended up running third. And the horse that won this race, I believe, is a repeat stakes winner already, uh, Clement. So uh, Thirst for Life looks interesting. And then Gary Stevens comes from the West Coast to ride a horse that just missed at the Bashford Manor, of course, a very important race at Churchill Downs by three quarters of a length, and coming out of a game effort at the Saratoga Special, uh, uh, trading off one of the Ortiz brothers, Gary Stevens could be hunting for his derby horse. He's riding recruiting ready. Those are two that kind of come to the top for me. What am I missing? I love Thirst for Life. I, I, I everything you touched on, I, I'll just say ditto. I'm I'm really caught to cut into it. I'm, everything that I've read about Mark Cassie is going to be loaded for bear this year. So I'm I'm hoping such. And Florence down there for a purpose. That's my uh, top pick. Underneath it, I'm going right at looking at Lee Ricardo Santana for Steve Asmussen. That was a really nice race in the Ellis Park Juvenile. Very impressive. Better than what it actually looks on paper. Now, if you take a look at the buyer numbers, John, they're jumping like hot popcorn out of the pan. Uh, Asmussen only wins 21% with his babies. This Colt, by looking at Lucky, gets the rail. He gets the services of a, of a, of a young and upcoming rider with Ricardo Santana. They do an excellent work. 
I say I'm going to box these two all day long until my finger gets a bruise on it to keep pushing the button. Okay, well, all I can say is I feel sorry for Albin Jimenez, who got D'Amico'd riding, <laughs> looking at Lee. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. All right, well, I'm down to uh, um, uh, two minutes, two minutes to post, as I hear often. Uh, the, the Pocahontas, another uh, race that uh, just has a slew of uh, fillies with a lot of upside to them. Who you like? I love uh, Dream Dancing at 5-2, to two, Florent Giroux, Marcassi again. We're going to go turf to dirt, and just sealing the deal off that maiden win on the turf, John, at Saratoga, comes back and works a bullet over Saratoga. Uh, you know, you get a minute and two-fifths, uh, breezing the best of five that day. I believe that they have a versatile animal here. This is a two-year-old filly by Tappet. We know Tappet can run, and we know Tappet can run anywhere, and especially Churchill Downs. So I think his progeny will, uh, will do him proud, and I'm going to take Dream Dancing. If you get five to two, bet early and bet often, my friend. <laughs> Again, a lot of horses in here uh, with, with, with some upside. Uh, the, the one horse that uh, kind of drew my attention, interesting, uh, uh, a uh, daughter of Too Much Bling, an Ohio bred that I know you saw win. He's turned out to be the top sire in Texas. Bling on the music. This horse is a stakes winner at Lone Star and then went to Arapahoe. And look at this horse. It's won by four, by eight, by 13. Louis Quionis in the saddle. This could be one of those mystery horses, man. In fact, it can be, but uh, we both know that we, we've heard that old time uh, saying that last 16th of a mile at Churchill Downs is all uphill. Yes, it is. Well, uh, Ed Meyer, thank you very much for taking time being on the show. I'll let you get back to your football game. I know you're watching, and uh, I will have you back on the show soon because you're one of my favorite people in racing and in real life, brother. Did all around, John. Best of luck. And, hey, listeners, take a listen and listen in double and get that pen out. John, best of luck to you. All right, thanks a lot. Well, that's the opinion of two old handicappers. Don't forget, go to winningponies.com, pull down those easy win forms, and see if you can't get some big payoffs because we've had them all week long. Well, I want to thank Joe Nevels also for joining us, and I want to remind you that uh, when you go to the races, what I want you to do is bet with your head. Not over it. Good night, everyone. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.